We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope capital campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Superlatives are, you you have, if you say something is good, the comparative is when you say it's better, and the superlative is the best. So we love superlatives. We love saying, oh, this is the worst day ever, or this is the best thing ever, or this is the greatest. Last weekend, I went to a, uh, a concert. One of our violinists is in an orchestra. And she played, it was really cool, it was a fun idea, they're in this old church um, north of us, and they had this event where they played four pieces of music, and you were seated all around the orchestra. It was like they were right in the middle of all these tables, and they had uh, wine and cheese, and they paired the wine and the cheese to the music. It was awesome. But the... Uh, conductor got up, and one of the pieces they played, our, I wonder if our two violinists this morning know this one, the, um, the, one of the pieces they played is a, piece, is a piece called the Adagio for Strings by Samuel Barber, and it's beautiful, but the conductor got up there and he said, this is unquestionably, unquestionably, this is the greatest piece of music ever written for strings that exists. And it was like, mic drop. You know, it's like, and after tonight, you will never be happy again. Like, this is, this is it, right? So enjoy it. We love that, don't we? We love kind of these superlatives. We, and we want to do that. I imagine Samuel Barber, right? That was a great goal, right? To write the greatest piece of music ever. We love superlatives, right? In my own life, there's this kind of, even though I know it's not really possible, there's this hidden goal of, I am going to like, help create, with God's help, the greatest parish ever. And all those chumps can eat dirt who try to compete. We all want to do that. One, of my fa- one more story. One of my favorite books, there's a great book called um, The Perfect Mile. And it's a, it's a true story. It's the story of how Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. And at, at that time... The, it, there was a consensus across the world. People had been getting faster and faster and faster trying to run a fast mile. But no one could break that four-minute mark. And people literally thought, they said, God has made the human body in such a way that it's just impossible. That we will never do that. And amazingly, you know, Roger Bannister became that, that first human being to run a mile in under four minutes. And they said, you know, that's it. But eventually, eventually, right, he got passed by as well. And there have been faster miles, and I don't know what the record is right now. Today's feast is Christ the King. And here's here's what this is about. St. Augustine says that if you want to understand what it means to be a human being, do you want to understand men and women, you want to understand human life, there's a key line from the Bible that you have to understand. And it's when the serpent in the garden tempts Eve, he says to her that if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, 
you will be like God. You will be like God. And Augustine says, if you really want to know what the human heart is about and what human life is about, is that you and I want to be God. We want to say something, and this is where those superlatives come in. I want to do something with my life that lasts forever. I want to say something that is the ultimate, right? I want, to, I want to have the best piece of music that will ever be written. I want to carve all of my words in stone. And today's gospel, today's feast, the feast of Christ the King, it's supposed to bring you and I today some sobriety about that and actually joy. Sobriety and joy. You see, because you and I, we want to do the ultimate thing. We want to write the best piece of music. We want to compose the best poem. We want to have the best business ever. We want to be the smartest. And today's feast says that in the end, all things pass. And there is one king who reigns supreme. That's what today is about. And particularly, it's about kingdoms. Now, we, we, we do this ourselves, but nations do this, don't they? If you study history, every empire that has ever existed, everyone, they all think they're going to last forever. Have you guys seen The Sandlot? Yeah, you know, the, the best line ever, right? I teach this to my RCIA class. The best line ever, right, is in that movie is when they... They talk, the, the kid, they're doing the s'more thing, and they talk about how, you know, that dog's going to be locked up behind the fence forever, right? Do it with me. Forever. Every kingdom thinks it's going to last forever. That's what they tell themselves. The Romans, the Greeks, the Persians, they all said our kingdom will last for. <laughs> the Sandlot hadn't come out yet, but they would have said it that way if it had. If you haven't seen that movie, like I always say, you can't be a Christian if you haven't seen The Sandlot. Go home and watch it today. Love that movie. Anyway, every kingdom says that. They all say they're going to last forever, and it's a lie. The British Empire said that, and the British Empire believed that somehow God had chosen the English to rule civilization. We told ourselves that. America is filled with a history where Americans said that we are the chosen nation, that God has chosen America. And people today are now questioning that. And we're waking up to the fact that every kingdom dies except for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what today is about. One of the favorite ways the New Testament talks about this is Psalm 2. So Psalm 2 says this, it says, Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain the kings of the earth 
set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. So Psalm 2 says that the world, all the rulers of the world, the kings, the princes, they come together and they conspire against the Lord and his anointed one. That word, anointed one, in Hebrew is Messiah. That's, that's what Messiah means. It literally means the anointed one. And that means the king. The nations of the world come together and the rulers of this earth plot against the Lord and his Messiah. The Greek translation of the word Messiah is Christ. And the earliest Christians, in fact, in, in Acts chapter 4, St. Peter gives a speech about this. And he quotes that psalm. He says this. He quotes that psalm. He says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth conspire and the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. That's Psalm 2, verses 1 through 2. And here's what Peter says to apply it. He says, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, right? Jesus, who is the Messiah, the King, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. The nations rage and the kings of the peoples conspire against the Lord and his anointed. But if you go back to Psalm 2, what's God's response to that? When people are enraged against the Lord, when they rebel against him, right? Why? Because you and I want to be God. I don't want to have another God over me. I want to be God. And so we rage against God and his anointed one. But in Psalm 2, what God does, it says, the Lord laughs. Because there is one king. There is only one king. There is only one kingdom that will last. And brothers and sisters, Christians are sober about this. When our politicians tell us that they're going to create heaven on earth, that they're going to fix all of our problems, we hope they do. But we know there is only one king. There is only one kingdom that lasts forever. There is one Lord, one God, one faith. And we live for that kingdom, right? I am, as I always say, I love my country. But I am not an American who happens to be a Catholic. I am a Catholic who happens to be an American. And my homeland is not this country. My homeland is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's also true for you. Okay, now pull out that holy card. As if you haven't been looking at it the whole time. So this is my ordination card. I'm going to ask you at the end of Mass actually to return it because I don't have enough. Uh, I am going to try to get these printed for the whole parish. 
We were probably going to take this image down. I love this icon, but we're going to change it out for the seasons, for the change in seasons. This icon is about Jesus, your king. And this icon is not just a pretty picture. It's meant to teach you something. And so just a couple brief things I want to show you about this. And really one that I want to get to. There's much more, but two things. Do you notice how Jesus' ears are a little out of whack? Look at his ears. They're long. You can Maybe it's easier to see on the big one. I don't know. Is this just because whoever painted this image was not as good as they thought they were? No. In ancient languages, the word obedience is almost always connected to the word to hear. Right? And you do this today, right? When your children are disobeying, you say, listen to me. Jesus has pronounced ears in this icon because he is the obedient son who listens to everything the Father says. Beautiful. There's so much more, but for time's sake, take your thumbs, and I want you to put your thumbs, you're going to alternate between, you're going to cover one half of Jesus' face and then go to the other. And just look at the difference. Do you see how different those two sides are? This means yes. This means no. That's very intentional. Here's what this icon is about. You, prob- I, you probably haven't noticed that bef- before today. What this icon is teaching you is one side of Jesus' face, it looks much more stern. And what that, that face is teaching you, it's reminding you that Jesus Christ is your judge. Right? Some Christians, Christians tend to choose one of these two sides. They tend to say either Jesus, he is the judge, he is the truth, and he will judge you. That's true, he will. Or there's other Christians who say Jesus is merciful, he is the loving God, he died for you. And what we tend to do is we tend to pick one. What this icon teaches us is that Jesus Christ is both. And that judgment and mercy come together in our King. I love that. Now, most of us, we would choose the good side, right? Except for our enemies. I would choose the good side. I'd say, okay, Lord, I want this side of your face for me, that side for my enemies. Okay, Here's the thing. Christ's judgment is a good thing. It's a good thing. Because his judgment, God's judgment, is always about making things right. Right? Justice is about making things right. So today on Christ the King, I want to leave you with this. Everything else, brothers and sisters, our country, I love our country. Someday our country will not exist. We get so worked up about politics. We get so angry at people on the other side of the aisle. And those things do matter. But you are a Christian. 
You are a Christian. You are a Christian. There is one kingdom. The nations conspire and the kings of the earth rage against the Lord and his anointed. But the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. Because there is one king. And what I want to leave you with today is that you don't have to wait for that. This isn't just something that happens when you die. This is not just something that happens when Christ returns. Here's what Origen says in the second century. He says, The kingdom of God, in the words of our Lord and Savior, does not come for all to see. For the word of God is very near in our mouth, And in our heart. Thus, it is clear that he who prays for the coming of God's kingdom, you will pray for that today at Mass. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do you mean those words? Do you really want Jesus to be your king, or do you just say the words, and what you really want is to be your own king? I want to be God, and Lord, you just stay out of my life till I die and let me go to heaven. That is not Christian. It is clear that the one who prays for the coming of God's kingdom prays rightly to have it within himself. That there it may grow and bear fruit and become perfect. For God reigns in each of his holy ones. Today is Christ the King. Someday every knee will bend. As Philippians 2 says, someday every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will bend at the name of Jesus Christ. Does your knee bend? Does it really? Is Jesus really your King? Do you obey him? Do you honor him in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your actions, in your thoughts, in the friends you keep? Is Jesus really your king? Jesus, today, Lord, that's our prayer. Lord, we rejoice that in you, the true king of the universe, that in you truth, judgment, goodness, and mercy are all the same thing in you. Lord, we pray that we would be true Christians. Lord, that we would not just hope to go to heaven, but Lord, that we would love you as our king that we would be obedient to you, that you would purge our hearts and our souls of all evil, that you would cast judgment on my sin, but that you would bring me to salvation. Jesus, today, here at Lord's, be my king. Make me a better Christian. Jesus, be king of my life, of all of my people, of our parish, of our city. Jesus, will you be king today of the entire universe?